Money Mind, expanding your mind when it comes to money matters. Here's your host, Tanya Carlson from Amplify Wealth Management. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Money Mind. Today, I have a wonderful guest. I've been very keen to get on the show. I think she's got a really unique and interesting career path that I'd love to share with you all. Today's guest is Shelby Timmons. Shelby is doing law differently. Before stepping away from a traditional legal practice, she was an accredited family law specialist for over 18 years. She holds a master's in law from the University of Sydney, is a nationally accredited mediator, family dispute resolution practitioner, conflict coach, parenting coordinator, collaborative professional and a Doyle's leading mediator. Shelby is also a training faculty member for the International Association of Collaborative Professionals president and board member of Collaborative Professionals New South Wales and Southern Sydney Collaborative Professionals. And Shelby's also an author, presenter and change maker in the area of family dispute resolution and interdisciplinary collaborative practice, ICP for short. It's quite a struggle getting those words out. Welcome to the show, Shelby. It sounds much better than it is, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a big mouthful of long words. It sure is. But... um, (laughs) Let's just say, I, I like conflict coach, actually. That's kind of a nice way to um, abbreviate everything, isn't it? Although I guess yeah, the word conflict that, is, is is challenging for some people. I think that's probably um, a good summary of, of what I do in all aspects of my work. Yeah, definitely. So to get started, I like to ask everyone two questions. The first one's a quick one. Are you a spender, saver or in-betweener? I'm an in-betweener, depending on what my parameters are. Are they dictated by you or somebody else? My husband always says to me, um, if I give you a task or a goal or a debt to pay off, like a big mortgage, I'll just meet it. But if I've got Uh money to spend, I'll spend it. Spend it. There's your in-betweener. Fair enough. I think probably everybody is, uh, is or can relate in that way. And the second question is, can you tell us a little bit about your cultural background and upbringing? Uh, Born in Sydney and uh, raised in Sydney and spent some time in Tasmania, including my undergraduate degree. We moved to Tasmania for a little bit um, and now back uh, based in Sydney. Uh, Both of my parents, yeah, are Australian. So, yes, not overly exciting there. Well, it's pretty exciting to move to Tasmania for a period of time. Not many people get that opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And... I thought a good starting point, given given that introduction and, and all those long long words to describe uh, what you do for a living, but I thought it might be really nice to share with our audience what collaborative practice is all about. Uh, collaborative practice is, uh, I guess in summary and very um, plain terms, an alternative way to resolve disputes. Uh, I work in the family law space, but it is applicable in any relationship chip area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's being used in wills and estates, building, medical disputes, a whole range of, um, of areas. The primary touch points of collaborative practice are that it's an out-of-court process. It takes people to commit to having an ability to step inside the shoes of the personal persons um, that they are needing to resolve any issues with. It's an interest-based process. So rather than looking at the legal outcomes, we really look at what matters to the people that are involved Um, and in my work, um, their family as a whole and how we can identify and hopefully 
come up with some options that meet all of their needs, not just their legal ones. How does it differ from mediation, do you think? The primary thing is when you enter collaborative practice, you sign what we call a participation agreement. That participation agreement ensures that everyone that's involved uh, um, is committing to the things we've just talked about. Mm -hmm. Whereas within mediation, you still have the options to have um, a court process running parallel or potentially um, if the mediation fails, making a court application. Um, Often mediation is referred from the court process. So you start a court process and then you're referred out to mediation. Depending on who is involved in the process, mediation isn't always an interest-based process. Okay. So mediation can sometimes be very much a settlement focus, i.e. what are the legal outcomes and how are we going to strategically get, you know, a negotiated settlement. So the, I guess the big two, two issues for me in terms of the differences are, one, you are opting out of the court process with um, collaborative practice and so are your lawyers. Yes. So if it falls apart, i.e. you can't resolve it, then you have to get a new team of professionals. So it's a it's a big um, buy-in from everyone. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. And I mean, obviously, you know, there's there's the obvious amicable divorces where people are sort of for, for whatever reason, you know, all in agreement. Um, and so that would be an obvious place for something like collaborative practice, but it's also for people who have some some issues to be resolved but are committed to trying to maintain a, a respectful relationship with each other or with the kids or, or however. So that's that's often positioned as, as a way to help them get through that, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it offers people a private space to talk about the tough stuff and they do it with a supportive team. So within the collaborative process, you don't just have a lawyer each mm-hmm. You have me and I guess my role is as a coach or a facilitator of that process, mm-hmm. but you bring on whoever you need depending on the issues for that family or for that dispute. So in family law, for example, you could have someone like yourself, a financial neutral, mm-hmm. we call them. Um, you could have counsellors, psychologists. You could have a whole range of child specialists or you know other professionals depending on what the issues are that we need support through. Yeah, excellent. Hence the term interdisciplinary, which I think it's such a mouthful, isn't it? But when sure you is. break those words in, you know, surely got to come up with some better terms. But when you break those words down, it actually makes complete sense that you've got yeah. a team of people helping you resolve the issue, working together to, to get the, the fair uh, outcome based on people's interests, which I always think is a good way of explaining um, where a court may not, you know, <laughs> discuss uh, who gets the family dog or something like that. It's something that you could put on the agenda if that was important to that particular family. Yeah, I think um, it gives you a platform to talk about what matters to you and to the people involved rather than just simply the legal component. Now, you practised family law litigation many years ago. Was there a standout moment that made you walk away from litigation? Oh, how honest can I be? (laughs) Um, As honest as you want. Yeah, I think there are a few moments for me. I think I started as a young practitioner, probably thinking I knew everything about the law and I probably learnt very quickly I knew very little about the law and also less about um, human relations. 
So I think as I got older and the grey hair appeared um, and life took hold for me, I had my own family um, and I dealt with different issues within Dynamic that I realised that I probably could add more value in this type of business rather than a legal strategic one. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. I think the, the collaborative practice, um, certainly mediation for, for a number of years, but collaborative practice in itself is a, is a growing trend in Australia. It's, it's probably more recognised over in the US and, and even the UK, but, um, but definitely growing here. You're now president of CPNSW, which is probably the country's largest group, I guess, of, of dedicated professionals in the collaborative space. What would you like to achieve the, I guess, collaborative practice as a whole during your term as president? Yeah, I think I would love it to become one of the mainstream thought processes for people mm. and primarily lawyers that are educating their clients yeah. around how they might resolve their differences. It's not yeah. suitable for everyone, yeah. but it's often not even thought of or um, lawyers aren't aware or trained in um, so I guess for me, my goal would be for it to become much more mainstream in the sense that you're not having to research for information and or professionals that yeah. it, it, it's there and it's available. Yeah. And so, also so, for people to yeah. see the benefit. And I think we've seen that within CPNSW. We've got a great team. We've got a, a great membership base. And it's a nicer way to practice for the lawyers primarily. Um, I think they have a huge sense of relief that they are working in a team environment rather than as an opposition. That's right, actually. And it's funny, certainly from a financial planning um, aspect, I know in the past, and I don't have the latest stats on me, but I, I recall many years ago being told when we looked at income protection claims that the highest amount of income protection claims from burnout was lawyers. Yeah. And I think, you know, there's a lot of crude jokes made about lawyers often, um, but they certainly the lawyers that I know work very, very hard for their clients, very long hours, very dedicated to their, their profession. And, and I don't think people realise how much of a personal toll that takes on people as well. Yeah, I think mm -hmm. if you looked at the statistics in terms of wellness and mental health yeah. in the legal profession, um, it would be shocking for most. But I think also when you... As a client, um, if you're going through separation or divorce, walking into a lawyer's office that wants to increase that conflict or increase that agitation or that strategizing is not really what many people want. Yeah. Most people don't walk in thinking, I want my day in court. Yeah. Often they say it, but when you get to what's sitting underneath, it's a whole lot of fear and worry and rightly so. It's a really tough time. And I think it's time that we provided the appropriate supports for families. And so what are the challenges to that? Does it start with, as it often does, education? Is it, does it become a subject of, of law? Um, yeah, I think it is. A big part of it is education. But also, like you and I, just talking about we've been involved in many collaborative cases, they're hard work. You invest a lot of yourself and you invest um, a lot as a team and you're talking about some really tricky mm. issues. But the outcomes for the family are typically much better mm. um, and you're sending them away 
in a better place than you found them. So I think that education, making it part of your conversation in terms of how would we like to resolve things? How do we want our relationship to look in 5, 10, 15 years? How do we want our kids to view us as uh, parents, but also troubleshooters? You know, if, if we're racing off to court and arming ourselves with, you know, a whole team of uh, litigious professionals, then I think it's going to be a costly exercise both emotionally and financially. And sometimes court is necessary. So I'm also, I I understand and accept that sometimes that needs to happen. But I think the majority of families can resolve things outside of that process. How has, I mean, we're living in extraordinary times at the moment. How has a COVID affected divorce rates and and even the processes involved in in, uh, separation nowadays? Yeah, I think credit to the family court um, and the federal circuit court, they have become very well aware of the long delays, very well aware of the impact of COVID in terms of people living under the one roof, isolating financial pressures, job loss, the housing market shifting and Whilst we have significant delays within the court process, they are very much now trying to look outside and encourage people into a dispute resolution process. Great. Typically that's mediation, but I think that opens up the door for collaborative as well. And I think we can all accept that COVID has been difficult, but if you're separating or you're living together knowing that it's not what it should be, It's made it incredibly challenging. Definitely. And I recall um, it being yourself that told me um, a couple of years ago that there was sort of divorce seasons, you know, times where the year where it was more sort of prevalent, um, COVID would obviously have exacerbated that, I would assume. Yeah, I think um, any uh, financial cycle, so if we think about the GFC, If we think about COVID, I think most professionals in the family law space would give feedback that their clientele increases, but also the angst and anxiety with the clients that come. So they become much more complex and the challenges are greater because there's uncertainty within the financial environment. If if we sort of pivot a little bit to sort of money matters, um, but still sort of sticking with the theme of divorce at this point in time. I mean, I wonder what your thoughts are. You, you, you see many people walk in and, and talk to you about um, either things that have led to the separation or the, or the issues that they're facing in separation. Is there any sort of common themes or issues that you see people make mistakes with when it comes to sort of financials um, when they are divorcing? A friend of mine that also practices in this area gives a really great tip that when clients come in, the first thing, unless there is an absolute need for some urgency, to slow things down. Mm. Because I think cognitively when our emotions are frayed and we're fearful of what's happening, we often respond in an inappropriate way. So whether that's um, holding on with our back to the wall to not disclosing something or feeling we can't share something or cutting off bank accounts or closing down credit cards, all those horrific stories we hear. I think the reality is the majority of families, if they had the opportunity to communicate around their immediate and then I guess midterm and then longer term needs, 
we would see a lot less of that fight or flight response. Yeah. Um, that's really hard when people are in grief and typically one person has come to the conclusion that they want the relationship to come to an end. And that person may have had many years of yeah. coming to that mindset and the other person's playing catch up. That's right. So we've got that breach of trust and people query every decision. Yeah. 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 It's, it's so true, isn't it? I know with our clients, um, if they're going through, um, uh, you know, and receiving an inheritance and some grief that might be involved, they're all, all clients that we see who've, who've divorced. We often sort of say, let's take 12 months for things to just settle um, take a bit of breathing space and then allow ourselves to get the brain functioning again because you're right, when you're stressed out, you just can't make clear, good decisions. Yeah, the science tells us that, that we just, we, we can't, we're not in the headspace. I know that's a yeah. fairly basic term, but <laughs> we're simply not in the headspace to be able to make those big long-term decisions around money, our children, our life. Mm-hmm. It's the part I think from a financial neutral role, I think what I see often is fear causing people to not be able to make a decision. So it's not that they're incapable, but they're so frozen by, I don't know if this is right or wrong, that, that they just literally can't do it at that time. Yeah. And so I think, really- um, you know, a lot of uh, financial decisions need to be made Uh, with a lot of education. So often we are seeing people, one that will be highly educated in terms of the family finances and one that won't be. So it's about bringing that other person up to speed so that they can make those decisions. Mm. And it's the lack of education sometimes. And I, I don't say that in a negative way, just simply that's how they've run their life. That can lead to some hasty decisions and long term impacts that aren't necessarily positive. All right, on to some positive things. You're a, a married mum of three girls. Uh, you run a successful practice, um, yet somehow you're managing to find time to write a book. <laughs> Would you tell us a little bit about your upcoming book? Uh, I am writing a book on divorce for kids. So it's a children's book. It's for that preteen teenager who has lots of questions and probably not sure where to ask or who to ask and to let them know that it's going to be okay. And I think in the majority of cases, it will be okay. Divorce and separation is really tough on everyone. And we often shut down and don't, you know, extend our children um, the understanding of what's happening. And the research shows us that kids actually want to know what's happening. They want a high level understanding. And I think if we can give them that, it enables them to put in place some strategies to manage their own emotions and well-being. Um, So, yeah, I'm really excited. It's about a year overdue, if I can be honest. (laughs) such a due date when you're the author, is there? (laughs) (laughs) Last last year was a busy one. So hopefully 2022 will, yeah, we'll see that book come together. I think it sounds like a wonderful initiative. I think there's a real gap, isn't there, where often the divorce, the focus is on the two people that are separating, but there's, there's often many, even just one little people, yeah. behind the scenes, not knowing how to, to deal with that, even if they're getting some professional help, just knowing that um, they don't have the, ex- the life experience to know yeah. that things can progress and get better. So and we've got a lot of like children's books around in terms of picture storybooks. So yeah. I think we've got that market well and truly yes. covered. This is sort of, yeah, probably a little more high level 
Um, but understanding that they're not adults, they don't, yeah, they don't have that. And they, they don't have that decision-making um, ability because the reality is most children love both parents. So yeah. it's not something they, they want to experience. They don't want to choose. Yeah, that's yeah. right. It can be very challenging, I'm, I'm sure. I personally believe that people who are at the forefront of change, and, and I definitely consider you in, in the family law space um, in that area, you, you may not think so, but but I certainly do. Um, I, I feel that people like yourself are often at the, I guess, alert to changes in trends and other things before other people. Is there anything that's on your radar at the moment that you're curious about? I think that's a really high compliment, Tanya. I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't classify myself as that, but... Too humble? uh, No, I just think there are so many phenomenal practitioners in Australia and worldwide that have for many, many years been agitating a different way of doing divorce. And I think many of us have been fearful to do it differently because we're taught in law school um, that there's a whole lot of strategy and a whole lot of acrimony and a whole lot of legislation that's going to guide these decisions. And at the end of the day, it's actually a human process. That's right, yeah. And we're dealing with human relationships. And I think if we can learn more about the people involved, we're doing ourselves, uh, yeah, I think think, a a big favour. I think you're right and I think... um, I recall having to attend court once on behalf of a family member and it was a very distressing time in my life, but it was also, uh, I was amazed at how much of what I called a show was put on. And it shocked me because obviously the legal profession is looked upon very, very highly in society. And it shocked me that something that was so serious in my life at the time was danced about. And I, I, I guess everyday people can have that experience with the law that that it doesn't feel that it's relatable to their situation when they're going certainly going through something awful obviously if it's also there to protect people and that can be a vital um, process but I think you, you you're 100% correct it is a, a people or this certainly in separation but I guess in anything there's there's people involved and the law sometimes trains that out of lawyers um, yeah, and I think it's a self-protection mechanism as well for professionals. Okay. We hide enough. behind the facade of correspondence or um, legislation or a courtroom. And the reality at the end of the day is we're dealing with people that have a need and we could probably meet that much better than we have um, in the past. And I'm really encouraged, like I think about, Australia and the growing numbers of professionals that are doing things differently, doing things with dispute resolution at the forefront, whether it's collaborative or other, you know, the whole range of other concepts. Um, I think we're going to see a hybrid of uh, different processes and I think we need to be comfortable with that. So I think if I could predict any trend, it would be that we're going to take a little bit of different processes and be okay with bringing them together to meet the needs of the family we're working with. Yeah, great. Uh, look, I think people surely are open to embracing that nowadays when you look at the, the shared economies and, and all the rest of it. But I think most people understand that the world is changing and there's no reason that I guess the legal profession wouldn't change along with it. Yeah, um, and I think, that, yeah. I, look, I think they're doing well. 
I, I think, think there yeah, I think there are very few. Um, I know we probably see it a lot in Sydney's renowned as being as a litigious city, but uh, the people that we work with are phenomenal at their job, and yeah. you don't enter the family law space um, wanting to cause any further strain or difficulty. Or the ma- majority of people don't. So yeah, I, I would agree with that. From from what I know, and it would would be only a, a smidgen of the experience you've had. I also think we're we're, we're blessed to live down in the Shire here, and um, the community that we have, the Southern Sydney Collaborative Professionals Group, is is even more so um, an example of that. Uh, certainly, you know, we've been involved in that together for a number of years now, and uh, everybody's very excited to get together, very committed to the process, very much enjoying seeing each other and sharing the stories, um, good or bad, so so that everybody can learn from those experiences. And that's that just shows a level of commitment and respect um, across the, the community, really, doesn't it? Yeah. Because it's yeah. hard work. It's it's hard, hard on our work. clients and it's hard on us. So, yeah, yeah it's nice again, to be able to do it with others. It is, and, and that group is under your guidance. So I, I know you're going to resist taking credit for that, but I'm going to point it at you anyway. Mm. <laughs> if anyone can see effort. Shelby now, she's blushing. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple of things that I'd like to finish up on, but divorce is, is challenging and it is the work that you do. Uh, is there some sort of piece of wisdom that you'd like to impart to people who might be having to consider that in future, whether they want to or not? Is there something that, um, you know, if you could let people know something, what would that be? Yeah, I think um, marriage is hard work. And I can say that because I've been married for many, many years and I've had the fortunate experience of watching my parents. But I think you need to give your relationship everything it deserves before you step away and then when you step away do it in the most respectful way you can have conversations talk through things that are worrying you get the professionals involved and not necessarily running off straight to a court process just slow things down and think about what's going to matter in 5 10 15 longer what is really going to impact you and how can you do things that enable everybody to be okay? And I think in the majority of separations, you can manage that. I agree. I think it's really wise advice, definitely. Well, this podcast is called Money Mind, so I probably should ask you some money questions. And, and your father is an accountant, so I'd expect that you're very considered when it comes to, to money matters. I mean, do you have any tips? Um, my, my tip would be don't get your father who's an accountant to tutor <laughs> you in your HSC when you're doing accounting. It did go well. <laughs> we probably shouldn't share that. <laughs> the first thing I would say, and it actually is my, my father is a very wise, quiet soul, I think, and he always said to me, get the largest, largest mortgage you can. And I've always thought about that. And it, clearly for me, what he meant was he knew that I would spend if it was there. And so I've always operated on the basis, and it's not just a mortgage, but if I've got a plan or I've a got plan. something to work towards, yeah. um, even if it's putting money aside, if I have that sitting in a one account, I'm going to spend it. Spend so it, yeah. I've become very good, I think, at, um, or my husband is now driving <laughs> that, but very good at um, setting those targets of what we want things to be. 
And the money goes out and I don't miss it. So that's exactly right. It's what we actually call forced savings. There you go. Uh, So most people are very committed to paying the bank back uh, or or committed to a a plan, like you say. And so it's, it's good psychology to sort of put it aside to something that's going to grow in value before it gets to your everyday account and probably goes on shoes and handbags. Yeah. Oh, well, something else, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Thank Holidays or something. Well, that's true. Goodness, that feels like a hard thing to a do. A lifetime ago, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Mm. How can people find you if they wanted to? Uh, they can find me. I've uh, got a website, divorcedundifferently.com.au and also on social media, but um, all of my details on my website. So happy to right. take calls or inquiries at any time. Lovely. And we should mention uh, for, for those interested in collaborative practice to check out either CPNSW or Southern Sydney Collaborative Professionals websites as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your time. It's really always a joy chatting with you and learning what you do and uh, I think it's really important work. Um, so it's great to get the word out there too. Thank you, Tanya. Thanks, Shelby. Um, Thanks for listening. And as always, please think before you spend. This podcast is for general information only. It contains brief comments not intended to be the basis for decision making, nor to be taken as a substitute for personal advice. Please contact Amplify Wealth Management to discuss any matters that may be relevant to your individual situation. Money Mind. If you have any questions about your financial future, please head to amplifywealth.com.au. Money Mind is available to download and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.